naked Thanos here. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4 powering up. Mark 17 powering up. Mark 44 powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is a man that has probably been listening to this show since near the beginning and may or may not have had a guest appearance at one point. It's the one and only Derek. What's happening, my guy? Not a lot. It's good to be back. It's been, it's been a while uh, since yeah. I've been on here. But I've been listening the entire time since since the very beginning, since I, I was looking for a podcast to listen to when this game got announced. And then that's when I started listening. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, it's it's wild to think that there's people like you that exist that have been hearing my voice this <laughs> whole time. And it's like, man, how have I not just been like, screw this guy? You know, <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's, it's awesome. been a, it's been a fun ride. Uh, this entire time, I think. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. I hope that, um, and you can obviously speak to this. I hope that the evolution of House Party Protocol has been a good one and a smooth one for the most part. Yeah, I think it has. Uh, I think one of my favorite things that um, that has been added is is going through different teams, like uh, yeah. you know, Black Order and whatnot. I really liked breaking down different teams and tactics cool um, as we got deeper into marvel crisis protocol awesome well yeah it's something that we'll be doing more of and uh Merzane will hopefully have a reset schedule here soon to where he'll be able to be more about it but also bringing in some new voices for that i'm gonna have uh, sandbox come back on and try to get some other people on here to to try to do a little bit more of that stuff like we're always trying to be you know this could be somebody's first episode this could be somebody's first time hearing about marvel crisis protocol so we don't want to get too deep in the weeds but i also think that there is something to be said for trying to to balance that if you will and i feel like that so far we've done a pretty good job and i hope i keep doing that yeah i agree it's been a great job awesome uh, like i said you haven't lost me i've been listening the whole time there you go <laughs> and it's funny i don't know if you noticed this but i constantly refer to house party protocol as a we and it's like it's just me producing this but it's i i say that because this is a show for everyone this is everyone that offers their time to hit listen or offers their time to participate like you today, it's it's everyone's show, which is why I always say we. So I hope that doesn't come across as a little weird or something. It probably does, but it's whatever. I don't think so. I mean, especially like when you get to the Discord, it just it feels like a we. It's just it's this fun get together. Like we're all involved. It's it's, it's a, it is a we. I think. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it comes through. And uh, Derek, I'm glad to have you back. I think the last time you were on was our first like wish list episode of like characters oh. we wanted to see. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. my number one was Bishop, who is finally coming to the game. Thank yes. You. Yes. Finally. And it's 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 finally happening. I mean, look, and honestly, I, no shame to anyone out there that goes with the bald-headed bishop, but I mean, like it's Jerry Curls. Like I, I have to go with Jerry I mean, come curls, on. curls. Right? I it, you gotta. In my opinion, I don't know. Bias. Yeah, I mean I I'm biased too. And again, I no shame if you throw down a bishop on the table and he's bald, but I might be like, did, did you shave his head? What happened over here? <laughs> you know? But uh, we're not here to talk about bishop or other speculatory things. Well, we're probably going to speculate, but that's neither here nor there. Today, we have a couple of topics to discuss. And off the rip here, I want to go ahead and say that I know M'Baku has been spoiled and his tactics cards have been spoiled. I'm saving those for next week. There is someone that reached out to me a while back that requested to do the M'Baku show. So I'm going to honor that request. And yeah, so so that's that's happening next week. But we still got some fun other news. And that is the Cosmic Ghost Riders team tactics cards. And... I don't know about you, Derek, but I think that there is some interesting things at play here with this character and these cards and some different synergies that we might be able to discover a little bit as we go through this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the inclusion of, you know, a couple fun ways to play Cosmic Ghost Rider with the Guardians and Black Order seems pretty interesting to me. It sure does. And also, I mean, speaking of that, he does have a Black Order affiliated card. So, I mean, if he's not affiliated Black Order, there's something going on here. Yeah, I mean, there's almost seemed like a dead giveaway when they finally dropped the cards. And I'm like, oh, Black Order. Okay, that could be interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. Me too, me too. So before we jump into these cards, let me get your overall impressions of Cosmic Ghost Rider. What do you think of future Frank Castle and his hell cycle of awesomeness? Yeah, I think he's pretty rad. Uh, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to put on the table. I mean, rolling fours across the board. Let's go with defense. Yeah. Uh, he I, he seems unique, and I really like the this whole psychosis tokens aspect. It'll be interesting to kind of play around with that and and see how he works in both Guardians and I mean I would think Black Order since we got a Texas card. So exactly. I mean, he see he seems pretty good to me. Uh, yeah. So in his model, I watched Atomic Mass Games uh, um, stream where they painted him. His model is really oh. it's really. It's really good. <laughs> it's it's incredible, and while I might not be the best hobbyist out there, and I may or may not be a Grey Lord Supreme, that model makes me want to change my ways. <laughs> so. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun to paint. I like to paint my models, so uh, I'll, I'm going to have a good time painting this one. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, other things that are awesome here. Let's dive right in on these tax cards. First up, we have Galaxy's Greatest. 
It is a Guardians of the Galaxy affiliated tactics card. It is active up to four injured allied Guardians of the Galaxy characters may spend two power each to play this card. Characters that spent power to play this card gain a big dumb hero token. What a great name. Characters with a big dumb hero token add one die to their attack and defense rolls. This is so cool. I love this. It's so, it, it feels like it just fits right in with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It just, the big dumb hero token. Yes. I, I love it. It put a smile on my face when I first read it. I'm like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And also, it's worth noting the card art on this. I see a moon dragon, and that's either Quasar or Adam Warlock in the back. I think it's Adam Warlock. But if it's Quasar, that'd be crazy. I'm leaning towards Adam Warlock. Me too. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But Moon Dragon and Adam Warlock as additions to the Guardians of the Galaxy would be great. But either way, it doesn't matter. We're talking about this card. So there's a lot of things going on with this card. So first of all, four injured characters. So right there off the rip, you have to look at it as, okay, I'm only going to be playing this card if my characters are in a fighty matchup, right? And Derek, do you feel like that there are some characters that would benefit from this more than others? Yeah, I'm thinking Drax. I'm thinking Gamora off the top of my head. Yeah. And I mean, Groot might benefit from it too, although he can heal himself, but... Those, those, those can really, those really pop at the top of my head. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like a character that is tailor made for something like this is Rocket because Rocket with a hammer is like a thing, right? And it's awesome him being able to shoot at range five, all of that stuff. And the thing about this card and token and stuff like that, there's no length restriction on this, so it's not like they get one die on attack and defense for a round or one die on attack and defense for an activation. While they're injured, they get one die on attack and defense rolls, period. So if you put it on the right characters and you can protect them and leverage the threat that a six die injured rocket shooting anybody is i think it's huge like rocket would be my number one like he he's a priority target for me whenever i see him on the tabletop because he is typically out playing his threat costs with plasma rifle and hadron enforcer booby traps all of that stuff he's usually doing more work have you seen that same thing yeah absolutely he puts it he puts it in he does. 100%. I mean, as as a two threat with how much damage he can output, it's it's ridiculous. It is. It and then is. you add a big dumb hero token to him. Oh my goodness! You give him more dice on his defense and his offense rolls the entire time he's injured. It's ridiculous. Right, and now he's a two threat that's rolling three three four on defense and always benefits from cover. I mean, I'm here for it. 
I almost don't have words. It'll be, it'll be fun. It will be fun. <laughs> and, and it's funny how this card, when we're reading it and going through it and all of that stuff, there's literally no Guardians of the Galaxy character that wouldn't love this. And the fact that it's limited to four, and that's another thing, is it's limited to four characters that can use it, but also it has to be injured characters. So there's, I feel like, a little bit of balance of saying, okay, cool, I've got Drax, Gamora, Rocket that are all injured. Is this the time to pop this card? Well, probably yes. But then when you say, okay, well, I've just got Groot injured and nobody else is really in danger or maybe Star-Lord's got three health left on his healthy side and he gets dazed, so can I wait another round to pop this card so that way I can get more value out of it? And that's a question I want to ask you, Derek. Do you think it's worth it for a character like Groot? If he's the only one that's injured on your squad and you're looking at round four, is it worth it to say, okay, cool, I'm going to go ahead and use this on Groot and just try to get that little bit extra on him? I think it I think it depends on the situation. Where Groot is, what you're trying to accomplish at that time. Yeah. It seems kind of situational whether or not you want to pop it. Because obviously if you have it, your opponent knows if they injure Rocket, Rocket's going to, you're definitely going to pop it immediately. Yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe put it off another round and see how it see how it goes. Yeah, and and that's I just that, that's it. Right. This there. doesn't seem like you're getting the full value if you only pop it on one character, unless it's very situational. Like you have Rocket injured, and you're like, okay, if I if I give him this extra die, we can go to the home stretch. But yeah. on Groot, I don't know. Well, and that's I think part of it right there is okay cool rocket's injured he's the only one that's injured let's do it and now if my opponent uses a four threat a five threat a six threat how whatever value of threat my opponent decides to commit to rocket well okay cool you're taking that extra bit away that you could be using that on something else so the rest of the squad is able to potentially do other things while your opponent's trying to say, well, I don't want you to get the value out of this big dumb hero token. And it's also mm -hmm. worth noting that it's just an active tactics card. It doesn't have to be Rocket's turn for you to say, I'm going to do this. You can say, okay, it's my turn. I'm going to activate the galaxy's greatest. And then, okay, cool. Now I'm activating Rocket or now I'm activating Gamora. Now I'm activating whomever and trying to leverage the situation from there. So there's a lot of situational things at play with a card like this. But, I mean, this this card's in my five when I'm playing Guardians. It's, it's in my 10 for sure, but it's probably in my five because even characters that don't see the tabletop very often, like a Drax, I think really would love a card like this. And because... Drax as a character is one where you can throw him into the fray a little bit early and say, okay, cool, I'm going to give these people vengeance. And now, after they daze me, they have the vengeance tokens. I get to roll three extra attack dice. I have damage reduction, and now my defenses are four, four, three. And I'm rolling extra attack dice. It's huge. 
it's it's big. I I totally agree that the second I read this card, I said this is this is almost an auto. This got to be an auto include for it, Guardians of the Galaxy it really to be able to just good. get in there. And like you said, even if you want to pop it off on 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 Groot or one character and use it as a ploy to get the enemy to you know the opponent to focus on them. It's just there's so many different ways you can use the card, and it's so good. Yeah, and I I think about it from not only the offensive perspective, but also the defensive perspective of this, which I think is probably the unheralded part of this card, right? And using Groot as an example, and I keep coming back to Groot because he's the most one-note of the Guardians characters, if you know what I mean by that. Like... He's kind of there. He is what he is. He's there to take hits for Rocket and on his turn, heal all the damage off and just be a nuisance, right? And if you get an I Am Groot off, you're feeling pretty good. If you're able to tangling vines and root somebody, you're feeling pretty good. But he's 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 not the most dynamic character on the squad, but he's still an important character for the squad. And... If he's your only injured character, one, you're probably in a really good position. Two, allowing him to go up to five physical defense, three energy defense, plus his seven stamina, and then layer into that his strike is range three and now six dice. I mean, like, it's, it's pretty darn good. It's like a walking tank. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. I mean, good luck getting the good good luck getting the rocket after Groot has it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's there is so much interesting things you can do with this card. And another play pattern I think this card might open up is just hyper aggressive, right? Like, okay, cool. I know I'm gonna get dazed. I'm gonna wake up with priority, potentially, with a ton of power. And, oh, now Gamora's in your face, and she's rolling seven dice on her God Slayer attack. And has better defenses. Oh, and guess what? Whenever she uses Martial Prowess, she gets to roll six dice instead. Actually, I don't know if it would work that way. It would probably work that way. Let's see. Let's read the card again. Galaxy's Greatest. Add one die to their attack and defense rolls. And then let's pull up Gamora's card. And look at martial prowess and how that interaction would go. Yeah, it says when this character is targeted by an attack within range two, it may use this superpower instead of rolling dice equal to its defense. It rolls five defense dice instead. Then if this go. character suffered no damage from the attack after the attack is resolved, the attacker suffers two damage. So, I mean, that reads like it would roll six to me. Yeah, I, I think it does, and. I mean, <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. That's, in, that's insane. And there's also one character we're forgetting here, and that's Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't even going to bring him up yet because this is Bananagram's stupid awesome <laughs> on him. Uh, he's ridiculous yeah. with this card. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, cool. I don't know if you've, like, proxied Cosmic Ghost Rider or put him on the tabletop at all. I have. And one, he is so much fun. Two, he is immediately destroyed by anybody. Like, it's, okay, cool, he's up in the fray, and it is, how fast can we melt through this nine health? 
sometimes it goes quick, sometimes it doesn't. But either way, I've never had a game where he's not at least injured. And when you injure him, okay, cool. Now he's got five, five, five. Oh, and his Hellfire Blasters is seven dice, range four. Just it, insane. Sign me up. <laughs> insane. You, yeah. he's he's built to want to get in there. Yeah. And so getting his, this card is almost tailor made for him. It so really you get him in there. He goes down. You you pop this. He's rolling fives across the board, like you said. I mean, now good luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Five defense dice. Insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. And when we're thinking about squad building with Guardians of the Galaxy. This is an interesting thing here where you know they have this card, they have Crew of the Milano, they have a couple other kind of solid tactics cards that I think Crew is the one that everybody likes. But you've also got a character like um, Agent Venom, who is a part of this affiliation, and he comes with a tactics card that's pretty good for him and the rest of the Guardians, but it's especially good for him in Foreign Assignment. And... I've read it out before. It's a wall of text. Basically, Agent Venom gets to do cool stuff if he's within range two of other Guardians characters. Just look at it that way. But the best part of it is if he's within two of Star-Lord, he gets to use a full auto attack, which is so good for just two power. And now, okay, cool. We've, we've played foreign assignment here, and we get to use this full auto attack, which is Star-Lord's spender attack, and we get to use it for cheaper than what Star-Lord has, because I think it costs three on Star-Lord. Yeah, it's three on Star-Lord, but it's seven dice now, eight dice if our boy's injured here, Agent Venom's injured. I mean, there's there's so many like fun little synergies. That's... Exactly right. So many fun synergies with this card to play around with. Really makes list building a lot of fun. It's specifically squad building too, because you know when you go in, you can think, okay, let's see how we play. <laughs> just, yeah. I don't know. I'm just I just got so many things in my head running through with this card because uh, I love Guardians playing Guardians. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to 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 go into a game. It really is. And I can see a situation where when you're building your squad, if you, I don't know about you, but I am a Brace for Impact stan. Like that card is in my five every time I hit the table. If it's not, then I feel super weird. Even if my opponent has only like one throw, I'm like, well, I've got to have Brace. <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. But I think there's a world where you can like have this galaxy's greatest crew of the Milano foreign assignment, follow me. And then something else, not even brace for impact or something here, not even another restricted card necessarily. And, and just profit. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. hundred percent. Yeah. So it's uh this is a really interesting thing, but I do think that galaxy's greatest is one of those cards that when you're playing against Guardians of the Galaxy, expect to see it and have a plan on how to deal with whoever is assigned it. Like, we've been gushing over it, but now let's talk about a little counterplay. And I think that this card, in terms of counterplay, is very difficult 
because it makes everyone's that's played it makes their defenses better. But I think it just means you just got to go into them. You've just got to get them off the table or hope that you can one at a time days and take out people. That way it makes the Guardians player not feel like they're getting the most out of it. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, yes. Um, you could also try playing, you know, the, the push and shove game of, you know, maybe I'm not going to try to daze you, but I'm going to push you around, throw you around, get you away from some of these objectives and tokens. Um, hoping you don't daze them, but uh, sometimes that's just the way the, the dice roll. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's hard to to plan dazes and whatnot unless somebody's just sitting there on one health and you're like, okay, cool, I just will not attack you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, it, that, oh, that's almost a strategy that you really can't play, but uh, that's, I mean, that's what makes this card so difficult to go against because you know you're going to hit somebody and you're going to take them out and you got to worry about the card. So yeah. it'll, it'll be fun to think about what to do. Yeah, and I think that when you're seeing this card on the other side of the table, trying to prioritize targets is going to be hard but look, if I'm playing Cosmic Ghost Rider and I have Galaxy's Greatest and he's in the middle of the board, he's going to be doing his work. Like whether he's healthy or injured, he's going to be doing his work. So you have to ask yourself, do I want to let him do his work while he's healthy? And potentially his power generation is a little slower because of his Hellfire Blasters only being a gainer. His spirit of vengeance, maybe he rolled low, so maybe he he has his his psychosis token, but he doesn't have like a ton of a ton of power to do all the stuff, right? Which I think is kind of Cosmic Ghost Rider's Achilles heel is that he can have his power generation slowed down a little bit. But is it worth it to say, okay, cool, let me just leave him injured, let him do what he's gonna do, which is murder everything, or go hard into him, try to get him off the table, but oh, now he's going to get at least one good activation with Galaxy's Greatest in play. And, and that's that's a, a thing that as this card rolls out, as this character rolls out, we'll have to figure all of that out. But I think it the one thing it does do is opens up play for characters like Drax, like Ronin, that ha like Ronin's seen more play with the battle cruisers out there but really, okay, cool, now Ronin is really interesting because now he's got that more defense on his injured side, more offense. Before he goes down, he's throwing an extra die uh, as part of his, um, what's, the, what's the thing called? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm losing it. The accuser ability, that's it. So as part of his accuser, if he's KO'd, well now you could potentially be doing a nine dice Cree justice for free or for four power, but still it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It really brings to life Ronin and Drax. Yeah. Um, make some, I, maybe that was their intent with the cards. Like, Hey, let's get these, let's get these other characters out that don't, maybe don't see a lot of play. This might entice people to want to get them into the fray and then make them even stronger. Cause I mean, then Ronin is a, what a four five five dice roller yes. on defense i mean that's pretty ridiculous yeah and and we've we've also forgotten about 
the one true guardian of the galaxy that is set it, forget it, play him every time, in my opinion. And that's Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> He's just <laughs> bananagrams. And like, I've used that phrase again. And like, for real, like this is stupendously awesome with Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, he becomes, I mean, he's already good. So he becomes, I, I, don't, I don't have a word, a juggernaut? Is that is that a right word to use? I mean, I'm, he's basically a god at that point, in my humble it, opinion. Yeah, you throw Beta Ray Bill into the fray when you have this card, 100%. You just, I mean, that's where he wants to be anyway. So you throw him right in and you just let it take care of it. Go ahead, let yeah. him rock. Yep, it's like throw throw Beta Ray Bill in. Okay, cool. You come into me, I profit. You don't come into me, I profit. Awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. just uh, it's so good. I love it. I love everything it, about this card. I think that this, I could see this being a card. I'm I'm gushing over. We're gushing over it, but I could see this being a card that they're like, mm, maybe we went a little too hard in the paint on it. Yeah, I'm. It's maybe. Yeah. I mean, well, it definitely, it definitely feels that way. It definitely has that feeling that it could open up some, you know, envy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Defenders players over here looking like, what the hell, man? Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where we'll have to give it time. Time will tell. And we've spent a lot of time talking about this one particular card but I think that that is good because of the gravity of what this card implies, right? It just, it means that if you're playing against, you're playing wide, you know, as you're playing those, those Guardians of the Galaxy, wide Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And your opponent had that big turn where they just dazed two or three people, this is really going to come into play. And even if your opponent didn't daze two or three people, maybe they just dazed one person. You've got one person on your injured side and they have priority, if they don't priority target that injured person, or if they do and they aren't able to finish the job, well, now Galaxy's Greatest is in play. That character has a ton of power and gets to have some fun. So it's, it, there's, a, there's a, a lot of interesting things here, and I think it's going to take a lot of time to determine how this is going to set things up for the Guardians of the Galaxy, but with that, I think the Guardians are one of the best affiliations in the game. I think this card makes them that much better, and I can already tell everyone listening to this podcast, I will be playing Guardians of the Galaxy at NashCon because I want to play Cosmic Ghost Rider, and he's the best in that affiliation, so there you go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I mean, I already have, I already like playing Guardians as it is. I mean, Web Warriors is mostly my main play, but uh, Guardians is so good. And with Cosmic Ghost Rider and this card, I mean, I'm putting it on the table 100%. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to be super great. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. But let's move on and talk about the next card that comes in the Cosmic Ghost Rider pack. And it's Time Travel, baby. Don't ask. <laughs> that's a weird way to say it. is it it's it's time travel baby don't ask it's I, i'm including the baby there because i think it's implied but you know that's just me because he's also holding the thanos baby while in this picture so you know 
It's time travel, baby. Don't ask. Time, time travel. Don't, don't, don't ask. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ask it. Don't ask. I, I time travel. It's yeah, fine. It's, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. I'm the cosmic ghost rider. <laughs> well, why don't you read this one for us, Derek? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Uh, so during the cleanup phase, after victory points have been scored, an allied cosmic ghost rider that is not contesting an objective token may spend five power to play this card. Cosmic Ghost Rider may advance medium toward an objective token you are not securing. If you would now secure the objective token, you immediately score one victory point. Then, if Cosmic Ghost Rider has a Psychosis token, he may remove it. And it is reactive. And unaffiliated. And unaffiliated. Yeah. So, there's a lot of interesting things in play with this card. And the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that Cosmic Ghost Rider, if it's the first power phase, which let's just assume that you're able to play this on the first turn, he's going to have his Psychosis token. It does not come off until some weird stuff happens, but at the start of the next power phase is when he would remove his Psychosis token. So cleanup phase is when this card happens. He removes his Psychosis token during the power phase, following power phase. So let's just assume you're able to play this after turn one you've got that much power on him which if you do more power to you but the way this is worded is when he has his psychosis token he cannot contest hold or interact with objective tokens so this says if you would now secure the objective token you immediately score one victory point i think that there might be a typo, and we have a little bit of evidence to support that. Um, we had Nagoldar say that that it's potential that there's a wording typo or that this gets an errata when this actually drops, because to me, by this wording, it he could never, never score the VP. Right? Yeah, it threw me off when I read it too. I had to read it multiple times, and I still didn't really know if he scores the vp yeah and it's, i say never score it i mean if, if he starts the round without a psychosis token well then obviously it's in play but i mean as long as he has a psychosis token which in my experience is all the time he yeah i don't know yeah it's i mean maybe maybe it's this maybe the then if Cosmic Ghost Rider has a Cytosis token, he may remove it. I, I don't even know what I said there. I think I mumbled something. But uh, maybe because you can choose player effects and stuff, like maybe you're able to remove his Psychosis token before the advance. I mean, even though there's a then, does that mean you have to follow the sequence? These are questions I need answers to that we do not have right now. <laughs> yeah, I... It, it's kind of it's it's definitely confusing. I I wonder if there maybe their intent is that he scores it regardless if he has the psychosis token already on him, but that doesn't make sense because his card obviously says you don't right because um, you can't contest. Right. So it's a it's a confusing card. It is a it is a confusing card, but it's time travel, baby. Don't ask. Maybe that's the part. It's like, don't ask. You don't need to know if it's confusing. Right. Don't ask about it. It's time travel. Don't worry about it. Exactly. But uh, 
if if this card works where you just you can you can have your psychosis token then get rid of it before you score like like let's just let's now go into fairyland and assume that you don't have your psychosis token and you are able to do this this is awesome because cosmic ghost riders on that 65 millimeter base so advancing medium toward an objective token that you are not securing if you would now secure the objective token you immediately score one victory point that can really swing a game at times and also it can say okay my opponent didn't account for the fact that i can get that last victory point to get to 16 like my opponent's sitting there looking at it thinking oh man i've, I've got one more round it's a really close game they're going to be at 15 i'm going to be at 13 we can we can make this happen and it's like oh nope actually i'm at 16 now that's really good yeah it could potentially win you the game if, if that's how it's meant to meant to work exactly um, and that medium movement on that big base like you said to get to that objective token is is huge it's it's big yes. um, even if you're not going to win the game it's still it's still a big a big movement it is it is and that's another thing about it is okay cool well even if this doesn't win me the game even if i have my psychosis token and i'm just want to reposition during the cleanup phase that's big yeah big time because it's just nice to get that extra movement to that token to get there and put him even further into the fray. Because then, I mean, you can always couple it with the Guardians uh, Galaxy's Greatest. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of interesting things at play with this card. But the, the next thing I want to focus on with this card is the spending five power. And again, I don't know if you've proxied Cosmic Ghost Rider or not. But every time I've played him, he is power dumping just all of it. The he'll he'll might save three power for a cosmic justice on wheels, maybe. But in my experience, it is just yeeting power left and right to do all the stuff. And because Hellfire Blasters is a gainer, it makes it to where his power generation during his turn is significantly slowed down. So for him having that five power, I think is going to be kind of tough. Yeah, I have not, I have not proxied him. Uh, so I can't necessarily speak to his, uh, that speak to that, but it does seem that it's going to be tough to spend five on this card in the middle of the game. Yeah. And I mean, you just have uh, to actively choose to do that. Like you have to say, okay, cool. Well, Maybe I'm not going to use my Chains of Sidorak on somebody. Maybe if presented with an opportunity, I'm not going to Cosmic Justice on wheels, which I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, Suits. If you're presented with an opportunity to Cosmic Justice on wheels, you do it. It's a six dice energy attack at range four. You do it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it just seems right. It seems right. So, yeah. I don't know. I Five power is a lot. That's a big ask for one victory point and a reposition. Yeah, I, that that was my initial thought too. Besides the confusing wording, the initial right. thought was five power to move medium to get a victory point. I feel like it's definitely one of those situations where you are at fifteen and or fourteen. You're nearing the end of your victory points, and you want to score that quick victory point. That's probably the best way to use it. 
I don't, I don't see you using this early game at all. Yeah. And frankly, I think this is one of those cards where if you're playing cosmic ghost rider, you don't have to have this card in your 10. I, I think it's one where I want to play it a little bit. I want to play around with it, see how often the situation arises where it would be useful, maybe even not including it in my cards, but trying to be mindful and say, okay, how often would I even potentially be able to use this card? And it's one where I think that if you look at it casually, this is a fun card. If you look at it competitively, it's one where there's too many caveats. And again, let's just assume the wording works out how we think it can work out, right? Like, let's just assume that there's might be an errata or something and, and it works how you think it should work, whether you have the psychosis token or not. Let's just assume that. Even then, it is still a big ask, I think. And therefore, I, I look at it as fun, but not necessarily the most competitive card. And I think that's okay. I, I think that is okay. Because stuff like that's fun in this game. It's why we play superhero battles on the tabletop, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be fun to play around with. Um, it's just that five power cost. I don't know if the cost is worth it in the long run, but I'm definitely going to use it to try to, you know, try to make the best of it and uh, see how it works. Exactly. Exactly. And and like I said, if you're playing a if playing in a, an event and you need a tenth card and you're just like, let's throw it in there. I don't. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, there's always that, like, 10th card, you know? So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you could always give it a shot and uh, and see how it works. I mean, you don't know how it works until you play with it, so. Exactly. So, speaking of things that we don't know how they work, let's talk about the Servants of the Titan now. And the reason why I say we don't know how it works is because this is a Black Order-affiliated card, and it's an active card. And we know Cosmic Ghost Rider is Affiliated Guardians because it's on the box. It's printed on the box. Assuming he's affiliated with Black Order because he comes with a Black Order Tactics card, I think is a fair assumption to make, but it doesn't mean he's affiliated. So just keep that in mind, and we'll talk about the implications of this card and whether he is or is not affiliated after we talk about the rules on it. So, during Cosmic Ghost Rider's activation, any number of allied Black Order characters may spend one power to play this card. For each power spent to play this card, roll one die. For each critical, hit, wild, and blank, in the result, Cosmic Ghost Rider deals one damage to an enemy character within range three of him. For each skull and shield in the result, Cosmic Ghost Rider suffers one damage and gains one power. That's a really cool effect, first of all. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, it fits right into Black Order. Exactly. Exactly, and you've got six die faces that are a positive result in terms of doing the damage to the enemy. It's low risk, high reward. Exactly. And that's the thing for me where even if you do suffer the damage and gain the power, 
it's during Cosmic Ghost Rider's activation, so therefore you're just fueling him to potentially do some more Chains of Sidorak, potentially do a Power Cosmic Penance Stare. Stuff like that, I think, is very cool. And again, it's they can spend one power, so if you're playing with... Maybe you're playing Corvus leadership, right? So you've got like Corvus with the Reality Gem, Proxima, that's eight threat right there. Cosmic Ghost Rider, that puts you at 14, right? So if you throw in a Super Giant to make 17 or a Black Dwarf to make 18 or Black Swan to make 18, or if you're feeling really saucy, you put Black Swan with the Power Gem to make 19, you have... Four other characters, I think, right? Did I do that right? Yeah, so Corvus, Proxima, and, oh, three other characters. Three other characters that can spend the power here, so he's going to roll three dice. That's three damage. And that's not nothing. No, I mean, it's three unblockable damage. I mean, you don't get a roll, a defense roll. It's just three damage. Right. And... It's interesting that this is a Black Order-affiliated card because when I read this card, I don't know about you, this screams play with Corvus, not play with Thanos. Yeah, I don't see how you could play with Thanos. <laughs> yeah. With this card. It's just not going to have enough characters to fuel the, 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 uh, the damage. Right. And, I mean, uh, like let's, let's think about this here you've got a probably eight threat thanos probably right you're you're probably doing mrs thanos which is the mind space version and then you've probably got reality corvus so that's 13 threat you've probably got a proxima midnight if you're playing corvus in this scenario here so that gives you 16 threat so you can't even fit cosmic ghost rider into a squad if you're playing Mrs. Thanos, Corvus, and Proxima. Now, does this potentially, and again, if Cosmic Ghost Rider is affiliated Black Order, does it potentially open up list building options where maybe you don't have to play Mrs. Thanos? Maybe you can play maybe M Thanos, maybe Mind Thanos. You don't need the Space Gem. I don't, you know, I think it could be interesting to try that maybe single gem thing maybe and this is this is probably a bad idea but maybe you don't play a gem on thanos at all maybe Ooh, that's ballsy it is it's a it's a bold strategy cotton let's see how it plays out <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's 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 something that i know is not done and i'm very much not a black order player but when you have a character like a Cosmic Ghost Rider in the game, and again, if he's affiliated Black Order, and you're able to say, okay, cool, here's my 12 threat core, it's Thanos and Cosmic Ghost Rider, and now I've got another 8 threat in Corvus Proxima, Corvus Reality, and Proxima, okay, cool, there's my 20 threat squad. Or maybe you say, cool, I bring Black Dwarf. Maybe this opens up some Black Dwarf, Black Swan, Black Onslaught card play these are things that i don't know because i don't play black order but do you feel like derek that this card does it open anything up at all within that 
Fuck. I mean, I think it, I think it could. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to tell because like a, I, like you, I don't play Black Order either. Um, but I mean, it could open up some different strategies and different lit building. Like you say, maybe go crazy and just take Thanos by himself. And, and I mean, it all depends on if Cosmic Ghost Rider is affiliated with Black Order. Yeah, uh, that would really determine how you want to change things up. Yeah, I, I in agree. my opinion. And I think that really, I'm I'm trying to to shoehorn in CGR into Naked Thanos here, which that sounds really weird. <laughs> <laughs> just just ignore me <laughs> and my weird things I say. Uh, but I think realistically, this is more interesting with. Corvus with his first of the Black Order leadership card, which I'll remind everyone here because it's not something we've talked about a lot. Black Order reactive card. If your squad does not contain Thanos the Mad Titan, after deployment when you would normally select your leadership ability, Corvus Glaive may play this card. He gains the following leadership ability. It's called Right Hand Manned. When an allied Black Order character dazes or KOs an enemy character, all other Black Order characters gain one power. So playing straight Black Order with no splashes becomes really important here. And I think that you've got to look at Corvus and Proxima as a eight-threat core, and you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, that's only seven-threat because Corvus is a four-threat. You're not playing Corvus without Reality Gem, I don't think. I mean, you can. I think it's perfectly fine to I mean, you know, play the game your way, but I feel like, and I'm sure that, that you would agree with me, Derek, I've never seen somebody that's legitimately trying to play Black Order and and whatnot play Corvus without the reality gem. Have you? No. Uh, he's just, that. it's just worth the extra threat to put the reality gem on him and take him as a five. It's just so much better than having him as a four. I don't see any reason to bring him without the reality gem. Yeah, it really opens up his kit a lot and helps his power generation, all of that stuff. So, eight threat core, Corvus Proxima. And then you start to to layer in other things. Black Swan, to this day, is still one of my favorite characters in the game. I don't play her as much as I did, just for whatever reason, but like her kit's awesome. She is awesome. But the power gem, that's another one where it's like... I really want the power gem on her but if i don't have it it's okay and i think in corvus leadership you can play a uh, black swan without the power gem i almost said naked black swan and that'd be weird too but i didn't i caught myself <laughs> so, we avoided one there we yes woo, yeah dodged a bullet on that one <laughs> but uh dodged a glaive's edge if you will <laughs> i like the pun i like the pun yeah, yeah, it's 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 house party protocol for you. But um, I think that when you are trying to do squad building and thinking about Orvis leadership, the Servants of the Titan, First of the Black Order, all of this, there's a lot of nuance here. And if Cosmic Ghost Rider is affiliated, it's interesting to me. If If he's not affiliated with Black Order, then this is a functionally dead card in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. It it really depends on if he's in the Black Order big yeah. time. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, why 
even use it. Uh, it just doesn't seem doesn't seem like there's a point. It, right, and that and that's my thing with it is it doesn't seem like there's a point because again, like we talked about, you're most likely going to use this with Corvus. So you're already taking up a tax card slot with First of the Black Order. You're probably bringing Blood to Spare because that card's incredible too. When a Black Order character would be dazed by an enemy effect, it may spend three power to play this card. The character immediately performs an attack before gaining the dazed token. If this attack results in the character removing damage, it is not dazed, but that that doesn't matter in this instance. You're, you know, if you're playing Corvus and you're playing... Black Swan and Black Dwarf, you could have Black Onslaught in your list. Then you're thinking, okay, I've got First of the Black Order. I've got Blood to Spare. I've probably got Follow Me. I've probably got Patch Up, maybe Brace, maybe Indomitable. You know, you're going to have at least one, if not two, restricted cards. So Servants of the Titan might not be able to find a home because Recalibration Matrix, as an unaffiliated card, makes a lot of sense here, in my opinion over something where it's like just the damage and and that's assuming he's affiliated but if he's not affiliated and you're playing first of the black order you wouldn't put cosmic ghost rider in there anyways i wouldn't think no i wouldn't think so either so so it's it's this complicated thing we're here and i'm gonna assume he's affiliated just based on the fact that there's a card for this i'm gonna assume that and i hope he is i hope we get some confirmation sooner rather than later yeah, as soon as I saw the card, I was like, oh, he's affiliated with Black Order. Immediate, That was my first immediate thought that, oh, but now look at how this building is going to work with, with Black Order. It's going to be interesting, but maybe they throw a curveball and he's not. But it seems like he should be based yeah. on the card art. He's sitting right there, right behind Thanos. Right. So, and it's thematic. I mean, he's he's that way in the comics. He's like a herald of Thanos in the comics. Like, it's a thing, so... Thematically, it makes sense. Totally. So yeah. oh, I'm going to go with he is Black Order. That's my guess. That's yeah. my official prediction. I love it. Me too. I'm with you that. I think I'm going to I'm going to operate under that assumption until I'm told otherwise. So, yeah. That's all we've got for tactics cards. I do have a bit of another topic here, and I don't want to take the show too long, but I think it's still a valid topic that we can discuss Derek and here's what we can do we can either save this topic for another episode and have you back or we can just go ahead and hammer it out right now what do you think uh well I got the time so I say let's let's hammer it out all right let's do it so all of this you know burying the lead to say we are in an interesting place with Marvel Crisis Protocol so we had Star Wars Shatterpoint that just came out this past Friday and, you know, big deal, lots of marketing. I don't know about you, Derek. My local shops have been just skeeting out packs and, and stuff. Like, we we didn't get enough of, like, dice packs, didn't get enough of the um, the, the different expansions, the Obi-Wan, all that stuff. Like, everybody's running out of stuff around here locally. Did your shops experience, like, a, a big push for this game and stuff? Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. Uh, Star Wars Shatterpoint seems to be a success launch. I would say so. And this isn't a time for me to talk about my thoughts on Star Wars Shatterpoint. I'm still trying to decide how I 
want to pursue, if I want to pursue content around it. I know some people have said they would love to hear it. It's one of those things where I'm interested in doing it potentially, but it's got to kind of make sense and with time and everything, you know, life is life. With that though, I think this is an interesting time to discuss onboarding new players into a game in general, whether that's Shatterpoint or Marvel Crisis Protocol or anything like that. And specifically how when we see a game like Marvel Crisis Protocol that's been there for a while, it's it's kind of is what it is and all of this stuff, and then this new hotness comes out. Do you think, Derek, that there's still room for Marvel Crisis Protocol to continue to grow and blossom even though you've got this new shiny thing out there? Yeah, I think there's room for it to grow and blossom. Uh, maybe there there's different ways they could they could take it in uh, in terms of uh, extractions and secures. Different. I, I really like the uh, ultimate encounters. I thought that was a really great addition to the game to keep the game growing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely new ways for them to just continue to push the game and. And, and push the limits with new abilities to, to keep the game fresh. Yeah, I think so too. And I think even if we don't get anything new on the crisis front or extract front or anything like that, I still think that Marvel Crisis Protocol is in a good spot. And one of the things I think that is going to be paramount with the overlap of these two games first of all the rules and stuff like that there's very little overlap in general Uh, i don't know if you've played it or not but if you're out there listening and you have played it there are some things that are the same but by and large that if you are thinking and you've been playing mcp for a while and you go into shatterpoint thinking like mcp it's probably going to be to the detriment because the game plays differently than mcp does even outside of the can't do the same action stuff yeah, I I have I have not played it, but I did read the rule book and it is definitely it's definitely not MCP with Star Wars. That's for sure. Uh it, in MCP you could definitely table your opponent. It's hard <laughs> to table your opponent. It's Shatterpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not easy to do. <laughs> it's very difficult. I was uh did a demo game at my shop locally here and we had to call it early because we were doing the four-headed monster where you know each person plays their own individual squad. And it was it's also a really good way to demo the game because it gives everybody some agency to do different things. But anyways, we had their secondary that got wounded and had flipped to injured. And we were like, okay, well, we're going to try to take them out. But it's so hard to do. It really is. But anyways, the, the way that you can foster the community around both games i think and this is just is is not letting them cannibalize each other right like i'm a star wars fan i'm want to play star wars shatterpoint i'm going to play star wars shatterpoint i'm a marvel fan obviously i'm gonna be playing marvel crisis protocol and i feel like when you're at a shop and saying okay what what can we do to foster these communities i think one of it is saying Okay, Marvel community, you have your shop night. Do y'all want to play some Shatterpoint on your shop night? Yes. Okay, cool. 
maybe starting and getting onboarding with Shatterpoint on the same night that you play Marvel is cool, but eventually splitting those two and saying tonight's the Star Wars night, this other night's the Marvel night, I think will be paramount to the games not cannibalizing each other. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree with you on that. We don't want to, you don't want to make the games overlap too much because they're not the same. So you don't, how, do, how am I going to say this? It's, it, it's tough because, and that's, it's, it's, it's exciting to play both games, but like, let's just think about it from a practical standpoint, right? Practically, I don't want to carry two games worth of models and equipment to the shop on a given night. I'm going to say, all right, I'm going up to play game X. I'm going up to play game Y. I, I don't, you know, I don't take my Marvel stuff if I'm going to play 40K. Uh, not that I play 40K, but as an example, you know what I mean? I don't take my Guild Ball stuff if I'm going to play Marvel. You know, I don't take my Star Wars stuff if I'm planning on playing Kings of War. Insert whatever other game that you're interested in. Uh, for me, Judgment Eternal Champions. I love Judgment Eternal Champions. That's like a board game in a box. But again, it's still a big old box that I don't want to be carrying around if I'm planning on playing Crisis Protocol, if I'm planning on playing Shatterpoint. So logistically, when you're trying to build these communities, and that's that's what this all comes down to, Derek, I think, is trying to build the community, foster the community, and and get that player that comes in and says, oh man, is is this, you know, Anakin Skywalker? I almost said Luke. Anakin Skywalker here on the tabletop? That's so cool. What does he do? Seeing that and saying, well, this is what he does. Here, come check out Shatterpoint. Doing that, but also saying that same player say, oh, hey, and by the way, we also have Marvel Crisis Protocol. Do you do you like the Spider-Man movies? Well, come on, like, let's check it out. You know, you got, got Miles over here too. But saying, not having those two things overlap and and eat one another, I think is really important. I agree, especially in the terms of uh, financially. I mean, <laughs> models are getting so much more expensive these days that you don't want them to overlap too much because trying to support both games at the same time isn't isn't what everybody can do, especially maybe somebody who's brand new. Um, to you know the hobby exactly uh so that could be a big issue too yeah and and let's take that line of thinking as well if you have a new player that's coming in and and wants to engage in a tabletop community right they've never played 40k they've never played anything else they're just or or maybe they're a 20 year lapsed veteran of 40k kind of thing it's it's a nice opportunity when a new core set comes out to say, okay, cool, go buy the Shatterpoint core set. You get everything you need. You get two complete. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's not Crisis Squads. I don't know what they call it in that game off the top of my head. But two complete armies. To you and a buddy can split the box and and everybody can have their fun. But I'll say this for Marvel Crisis Protocol, and regardless of whether the core set holds up or not to more modern releases, Marvel Crisis Protocol is still one of the least barrier to entry games 
both financially and complexity-wise, that I've ever seen. And I have a bit of a bias, obviously, with this, but I just, like I said, had this recent demo of Shatterpoint. And when I did my demo at Adepticon, it was a lot of fun. Will Schick was guiding the demo. It was a very on-rails experience, which is great for this game, Shatterpoint, that is. But once I was at my local shop and having a demo, the shout out to Jerry. Thanks so much for running the demo, my man. But you've, you've got to really curate that experience because Shatterpoint, to me, is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, the rule book, I had to read through a couple times uh, to kind of get through everything. I mean, you got to do that anyway, right? Right. Reading it once never works. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it is a lot compared to Nervous Crisis Protocol. It's a lot more that you have to keep track of than MCP. It, it really felt that way to me. And especially with the iconography, the status conditions, all of that stuff. Right, but that's just familiarity, right? Like I heard a a really good analogy of just just inertia within a system, right? Like my inertia within the Marvel Crisis Protocol system is going to carry me through a lot of things, whereas this is something new that I'm picking up and learning, so it's going to be a little harder. But just in general, I felt like that it was it was just it was a, it was a big big meaty thing to try to bite into, and Again, Marvel Crisis Protocol is less meaty, if you will. And while there are some weird rules, interactions, and all that stuff, I'll, I'll say this. For Shatterpoint, the, when a character in this unit, and they're talking about a single model unit, drives me nuts. Yeah, I remember watching the, the Wilshick test at Adepticon on their YouTube channel. And it it I had to rewind it a couple times to <laughs> because it was throwing me off a little bit. That yeah. They call the it's just it took me a little bit to get to get used to it. Yeah, there's some ruled speak awkwardness and all that stuff. But again, it it's anything you can get used to. But the the main thing I, I want to focus on with all of this is this is the time when new players are going to be coming into the hobby. Anytime there's a big new game like this, especially one that's a huge property like Star Wars, right? Look, people are going to be playing their Star Wars games. I'm going to be playing my Star Wars games. I've got an event this Saturday that I'm going to be, we're going to be doing some Star Wars stuff. I'm excited. I'm ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But also take this opportunity if you're a fan of Marvel Crisis Protocol, but maybe you're going to take a little break to play Star Wars to say, hey, and by the way, we've also play Marvel Crisis Protocol, you like this? Well, hey, here's this, here's this other cool thing. Because ultimately, Derek, I just want more people to play with. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And as being Marvel Crisis Protocol is my first ever war game-ish um, that I ever, ever played. It's the first game I got into the hobby with. Um, I think it's such a great starting point for people who are just getting into the hobby. So recommend if they're if they're into Star Wars Shatterpoint, recommending Marvel Crisis Protocol, I think is is an excellent idea to try to get them in because it's just such a good starting point for people who are just getting in. Or, you know, if you're a seasoned veteran, like you said, and been playing for a long time, 
it's just got a really clean rule set and it's a lot of fun and it's just nice to play with more people and just have more people enjoy Marvel Crisis Protocol and everything it has to offer. Exactly, exactly. And another fun thing about Marvel Crisis Protocol, like even if you don't go buy the core set, you can get the range tools, a pack of dice, and an affiliation box and be good to go. You and and there you go. Like you can say you can walk out of a shop for less than a hundred bucks and have a a playable thing. More or less. More or less. Probably about a hundred bucks. But still. It's it's something where not a lot of games are gonna be able to do that, right? And like if you go buy just the Shatterpoint Kenobi box, that's one half of your Crisis Squad. Or I keep saying Crisis Squad. What's the name of the thing? I don't know. But don't at me on this. I'll I'll get the nomenclature right eventually. But it's it's one half of your playable stuff. You still have to have another squad of stuff to to do something with. So that's one thing I think is interesting about like these affiliation packs and the the way that that AMG has lifted up the Crisis Protocol brand. And I'm excited for Star Wars Shatterpoint. It's it's a fun game. It's different, but uh, you know, let's not forget about about everybody's first love, Marvel Crisis Protocol. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. And and to your point of the affiliation packs, I mean, that's honestly kind of what got me into going off maybe a little topic here, but Star Wars Legion, the yeah. affiliation pack for the Separatists. I mean, that's what got me into into Legion. I'm like, oh, I could just buy a pack and buy some tools, and then I I have it. Well, if you want the Brotherhood of Mutants, you can just buy the Brotherhood of Mutants, buy some range tools and movement tools, and you're good to go. Yeah. It's, I really like the the addition of affiliation packs to kind of tailor you to be able to, oh, I'm a first player. I don't want the core set, but I want to be able to get in. Right. And I really like that they did that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I think that being able to say, okay, cool, I want to play Web Warriors Go grab the Web Warriors affiliation box, grab the Agent Venom and Spider-Woman boxes sitting right next to it, and you've got a squad of models right there. You know? It's excellent. Yeah, it's it's a great value. A great value. Yeah. And, you know, gets these players into... The great values is what gets new players in. You know, the $100 core box might not be the way to go. So... Yeah. It gets these new players in and, you know, even we can even be inviting as a community and be like, hey, you know, you got this box. You don't have the range tools here. I'll share. I'll share yeah. my range tools with you and movement tools with you. And yeah, here, use my about that. Just be, yeah, use mine. Be inviting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's another thing I want to have with this discussion before we kind of put a bow on this episode of new players are going to be entering this hobby. I, I said this earlier and I'm going to say it again. Because it's easy for people like me and maybe people like you, Derek, you know, you're still what I would consider a new hobbyist because you're, you're just getting into the hobby with Marvel Christ Pro. You've been in, in it for four years now, basically, but you know what I mean? Like, but, but in terms of just someone brand new to the hobby, I'll, I'll, I'll encourage everyone to show a little patience at times because even if something seems really intuitive to you, it might not be to them, to that new player, right? Like, like, oh, uh, the movement tools for Star Wars Shatterpoint, as an example, there's a flat side and a side with the fangs. 
maybe that player doesn't realize that the fang side is the one that needs to touch the base. Simple things like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely about patience. I know when I first started, yeah, I definitely <laughs> just putting together the models was <laughs> was a little bit of a of a struggle, but getting used to how things work in the hobby space uh it took me a little a little while, but everybody was really really wonderful and uh very patient with me. I've really had a lot of good experiences with the crisis protocol community. Oh yeah. Um, Cause I am pretty new with it and it's been really great. Oh yeah. It's, it's by and large a great community. I, I love everyone that I've interacted with as part of it has been just wonderful. And again, like the, the house party protocol community that we have built up has been incredible and, and all of that stuff. And I hope that that same energy continues, even though we are expanding into new territory with Star Wars. You know what I mean? And I think that with people playing Shatterpoint and the overlap, not cannibalizing, all of that stuff, and and also just remember that Shatterpoint might not be for everyone. Crisis Protocol May, same thing going the other way. You can potentially have a Crisis Protocol night and someone might not vibe with it and you can say, hey, but you know, Star Wars Shatterpoint also came out. Here's here. Why don't you check that out? Why don't you come back on this day and and we can run one of these? You know, oh, you, you really like Star Wars. Cool. Check this out. Oh, you really like Spider-Man. Check this out. Oh, Green Goblin is the greatest model in this game until some other ones come out later, check him out. You know, it's like, like that kind of stuff, right? I, look, I'll never quit my GG. I just won't do it. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a great model. It's a great and, model. You know, after his refresh, he's a great character. He is a great character. But all I'm saying is, is like, find those ways to be an ambassador for whatever you like and whatever you whenever you have an opportunity to show new people a game or bring new people into a game you know it's a complicated and difficult thing to do at times and especially to do well and just remember take it simple slow slow and steady wins the race try not to overload people think about ways that you can say all right how 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 can i present this complicated thing because even even the most simple character of marvel crisis protocol and i'll pull him up this is my opinion simple character of marvel crisis protocol is corset dr octopus i knew you're gonna say doc Ock. i was like dr octopus in my head immediately he's got two attacks and one active superpower with two innate abilities right a very simple stat line on his basic stat line so even he can seem complicated to someone that has never seen anything like this, right? So breaking things down slowly, saying, okay, cool, we're not even going to play around with superpowers. We're just going to do a round where we focus on what moving and attacking is like, you know? Same thing with, with Shatterpoint. Instead of saying, Here, here's all this insane stuff, here's all these force points, here's all this crazy stuff, hey, Here's how you move and how you shoot. Though, like breaking things down slowly when you're onboarding new players 
look, it, it might seem weird to you as the veteran player, but that kind of stuff really helps get people invested into a game. In my opinion. Yeah, and I think I, I totally agree. And I think one of the, the best ways to start Mario Christ Protocol 2 is also no tactics cards. Yes. Because I know when you when you throw the tactics cards at a brand new player, they're like, uh, what? I got to keep track of what? Uh, I don't know when to play this. I mean, throw those aside and let's just do models to models. Yep. Bare bones. And I think that's a great way to start it. I think that's how the, the rule book tells you to. So it tells you to start too, I think, but um, that's a great way to start a new player. It's just bare bones, basic. Let's play. Yep. Yep. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's not easy and it's not for everybody. And, you know, to any new people that might have stumbled upon this podcast, welcome. I will say, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, if, if you're new to a game, if you roll up to a Shatterpoint night, and, and you've never played in your life or you've never played Shatterpoint and there's something that doesn't make sense or you want to know how to do something, ask the questions. And a- another way that I would encourage people that are giving demos of Shatterpoint, MCP, whatever, is give the new player, give the player that you're giving a demo to, give them agency. And what do I mean by that? I mean, ask them what they want to do. Say, okay, here, here are, is the character that you can activate. What do you want to do with that character? Do you, what's, and then if they say, well, I don't know what I can do. Say, do you want to go and attack something or do you want to go try to score points? Super simple, right? Oh, I want to go attack something. Okay, cool. Here's how we do that. Oh, I want to go try to score points. Okay, cool. Here's how you do that. You know, instead of, overloading with the, well, I don't know what I can, you know, I don't know what I can do is a very common question. I don't know if you've, yeah, I've asked that question. Well, what can I do here? But I've also, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, take it away, Derek, because I know you've got something to say on this too. I'm talking a lot here. (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. That was my experience too, (laughs) was what, what can I do? And I remember when I, when I taught uh, a friend of mine, he, he didn't understand that either. And I, I, it, it's it's always a question what can i do i don't know what to do and it's just like keep it very i i always employ kiss uh keep it yep. simple stupid yep so just hey give them the basics and then walk it through very slowly on what you can do i mean if you throw this cosmic ghost rider card that i'm looking at in front <laughs> of a new player they're gonna be like what the heck is going on here there's so many words i don't know what i'm doing so just being very patient with them and walking them through little things as they want to do it. Like, Hey, I want to do cosmic justice on wheels. How do I do that? Yeah. And then help them out. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's a simple thing of, okay, cool. You can do two things on your turn. You, you can, and, and, and now we will talk about how you do those things as you want to do them. And it's a, it's a whole thing. And I think that that's, that's good enough for this discussion for now, because I mean, it's one of those things where I want to know what the community thinks. I want to hear from the suits out there about this discussion. Have you found any interesting new ways for onboarding new players, whether that's with Marvel Crisis Protocol or Shatterpoint or any other game? And what are some tips and tricks that you use? Like, put that stuff in uh, a comment 
on this episode after you listen to it, stuff like that where people can see it because it might help someone that is brand new to the hobby. It might help someone that's trying to be a better teacher. You know, like we've all seen the uh, the meme of you need a teacher from uh, <laughs> Force Awakens, <laughs> you know, like it, there's going to be a lot of that right now because we've got a brand new game. So. Brand new. It looks fun. More people are going to get into the hobby. Um, I will say one thing. It just it just brought it up. The last let me the last thing on this, but uh, a coworker of mine, I was talking about uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, and he started looking up. He goes, "Oh, this this looks awesome," and I said, "Yeah, I just bought Agent Venom," and this was a little while back. And he goes, "Agent Venom, that's my favorite character," and I got him into the game because of his favorite character. So. I mean, encouraging people to buy characters or encouraging them to buy things that they really enjoy um, is is a really great way. Instead of the min-maxing, well, this character is better than this character. Be like, no, do you love Spider-Man? Well, here's Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. You think that Red Skull is awesome? Here you go. Or insert other generic character. It doesn't matter. Whomever you want. Oh, cool. You like Bob, Agent of Hydra. Have I got the character for you? <laughs> that's the way that's the way to go that's the way i play i don't own every model uh because i usually buy what i really really like um, yeah. characters that i connect with characters that i really enjoy um because that's just the way i like i like to approach approach things so and i new players are probably a lot along the lines of the same way absolutely absolutely so with that suits send us messages housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com uh, send us messages on Facebook and you can uh, leave comments on Facebook. Let us know what you think of the podcast, what you think of this discussion. And also uh, leave us a review. If your podcast platform of choice has that opportunity, I'd appreciate five stars. I, I think at least, you know, the occasional pun is worth the five stars right there. I mean, honestly, come on, but uh, yeah. no, you got a couple in today. So, I mean, Definitely five stars. Definitely five stars. But uh, I would really appreciate that. It helps other people that are looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find their way here. And also, if you're interested, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can come hang out on the Patreon uh, Discord channel with all the other suits that are over there, which is so much fun. I really appreciate everyone's support in that way it's uh it's a really good time it's always a great discussion there's never any negativity of like it, it's it's the best place on the internet like you can have a disagreement in the house party protocol discord which we've had recently there's been some like well i think this and i think that but it's never mean-spirited and it's always okay cool here's here's my opinion here's the other person's opinion and 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 there's a discussion about things. And I don't know about you, Derek. I love seeing that kind of thing like that. Just good faith discussions is is just wonderful. Yeah, I'll have the app. I'll have Discord pulled up and I'll just be reading through discussions while I'm at work because I just enjoy hearing people banter back and forth about their different opinions on the game. And it's just so it's so nice and refreshing to have such a wonderful place to go to talk about Marvel Crisis Protocol. So it's absolutely worth the dollar, in my opinion. And 
it, you know, it's made me a better crisis protocol player, honestly, because of, of people having such great discussions about different list building tactics and all of this. It's just been so much fun to be in the group. Good. I, I really appreciate that. And for the people that are in the Discord, you will be having access to a giveaway. I'm going to do a giveaway for Cosmic Ghost Rider in July when he drops. So I'm excited to offer that to the patrons exclusive thing. I've never done like a patron exclusive model giveaway. So I think it's a fun way to really give back to that community and um, just show that little bit of appreciation for all of that because it's uh, I it means so much to me that that community exists and everything and even if you're not a part of that community that you're here just listening and uh, hopefully enjoying all the content I mean it's crazy to me to think that we we have this huge amount of content here and almost 220 there's 221 thousand times 221,000 times this podcast has been downloaded that is insane to me and I love it and I wouldn't be here without the people that choose to to click download and listen every week and I just want to say I, I really appreciate all of that all of your support and uh yeah with that party on Derek party on Will and power down suits. Suits.